Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully that it is. Hi, this is Terry. If you listened last week, you heard the big announcement that after more than five years, my sister Bridget will no longer be co-hosting this podcast. Nothing's wrong. She's not sick or depressed or anything. She just needs more time for her other jobs and responsibilities. Last week's episode was the beginning of a conversation I had with her about the experience of doing this podcast and talking about mental health and mental illness and suicide prevention and depression on a regular basis. Today, we continue that discussion, picking up where we left off, reviewing what we've learned about the many things our guests have shared about the tools that they use to manage their depression and overall mental health. Here again is my best friend and little sister, Bridget, giving her voice to depression. You brought up the toolkit. Let's go there. So let's just talk, and they don't have to be the things you use or will use or plan to use or have used, just now that we know what are some of the tools that we have been told about, exposed to, that uh, you think are worth mentioning? I think journaling is really good because you can look back on it. Sometimes, um, you know, when I talk, I don't have recollection of what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it's written, I can refer back to that. So I think journaling it, it, and and that, what was the name of the woman that did the, the like writing over and over her letters so right. that it was not something that someone else could find? Because yes. that's... I'll be honest, always been a little bit of an anxiety for me. Yes. I think it was Gina. The episode was uh, uh, getting the ugly out. And she kept, she'd turn it 90 degrees and continue writing and turn it 90 degrees and continue writing. Then she painted over it. Yeah, seriously cool. Seriously cool. So it's literally turning ugh, ugh, just vile, you know, into art. Yeah. Okay, more? I think uh, the the routine, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're so good at remembering the names. The guy who's who ha- came up with the morning routine in the afternoon, in the evening Paul routine. Paul Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you do that? You're so good at that. I don't know. I write them. And, um, you know, just that by giving some structure and kind of, I guess I'd put that in the category of like accountability too. In a given day, I'm kind mm-hmm. of committing to, to doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the big one for me is just paying attention to what the incessant thoughts in my head are saying. Mm-hmm. And when they flip, you know, reaching out. Sleep is just the key, 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 key for me. And, you know, the drag is it's hard sometimes when you're depressed to get enough sleep. And then sometimes it's hard not to sleep. But, um, yeah, sleep is a really, really, really important element of my mental health and lots of other people's. Yeah, mine too, and I don't sleep well. And remember, okay, let's talk comedy and mm-hmm. talk about getting out of your head. We've had people say to us, oh, one of my, um, and, I, and I got this when I worked at the crisis line too, well, comedy, um, YouTube videos, 
crossword puzzles, games, just anything. Anything that gets you out of your head or something else in your head that can distract you. And music. Music. Yes, music. We just got that with yep. Don. Yep. Yeah, it's um, the list is long. And um, the good news is you can probably find something on it or some things on it that will help. And um, you don't have to use them all. They don't all have to work. You know, I am never going to weight lift when I get depressed because I have trouble just Terry lifting <laughs> to get out of bed and go get a glass of water, you know. And the same thing doesn't have to work every time either. You know, if you have a long enough list, yep. you can kind of cycle through them. Yeah. Even if you look at the list and say, no, 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 no. One of my favorite is the one where you kind of make yourself a little, um, I don't remember what we called it, but a box, you know, with little reminders, little notes to yourself, little things mm -hmm. that make you happy to remember, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of help. Like, I don't, I can't access this for myself right now, but I know I can walk to my closet and pull out that box and there'll be some things in there that nourish me. Safety plans are big, and we did a couple episodes on those that, you know, as you say, it's hard in it to access the things you need sometimes, and those lovely reminders can be a part of your safety plan, as can who my doctor is and where I want to go if I need to be hospitalized and what friend can actually have this conversation with me. And um, where I don't want to go. And where I don't want to go. That's huge. Um, you were saying something. What did it remind me of? Uh, oh, oh, the writing things down. So not the journaling, um, but close to that box that you were talking about with nice things in it, somebody, and this time I don't remember the name because it was probably four or five years ago, said to write what you know to be true of yourself in your own hand, not printed. I mean, not that you can print it in your own hand, not printed from the computer, that I know that I have value. I know that I am a good blank mother, sister, you know, whatever. I know that I have a good sense of humor. I know that I am creative. I don't know any of those things when I'm depressed. And if I saw it written down... And you have to write that when you're not depressed. I exactly. Mean, you know. Exactly. And you maybe would believe it more if you saw that you wrote it. Because it's like, oh, no, Bridgie, you're great. You're wonderful. You're, you know, that might be hard to hear, even though it's true. You are great and you are wonderful. But that might be hard to hear when you're depressed and believe it. You think, oh, my God, you'd say anything. But if it's you saying it to you, it might be different. I think it's hard to hear anytime. It's almost, it's almost when someone's reflecting back to me, as someone was graciously doing yesterday for me, in a different context. And, and it's almost like my, I go, la, 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 while they're talking. And it's oh, like, I, I cannot take it in. I know. I know. A, a non-behavioral uh, health metaphor that that reminds me of is the, oh, that's a cute top. I got it at a rummage mm -hmm. sale. You, know, you feel like you have to just shoot it down. And you never, it's like just saying, thank you. Somebody says, oh, you are really whatever. And you go, thank you. You know, but now I go, oh, no, I'm not. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew me better, you wouldn't think that. Um, any guests, we already talked about the tools, but did any guests, comments, thoughts, just word choice, anything stick with you? I think the one that kind of shook me the most, maybe, was an interview I did with a father. Um, and he had not that long ago lost his mm. high school daughter to suicide. And the reality, um, the painful, painful reality that you can have um, money and resources 
and connections and live in a community where there are relatively esteemed uh, institutions that you would know. And you took action and you got your, in this case, child, you know, into, into something that you were hoping there were experts who would understand and support that child in a way that maybe, you know, understandably you couldn't. And that sometimes that's just not enough. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, again, that that path is not clear. You know, who do you call? Where do you go? Again, is it covered by insurance? Are they good when they're in that place where where you're hoping for support and wisdom to soak them, you know, to bathe them, to steep them, that they can be steeped in things that aren't always positive and come out, um, you know, with with different kinds of experiences that they saw and witnessed and different knowledge as a result that is not going to serve them. And that scares the hell out of me. We know people who did. I know we do. I you know, know quote, do, did everything, I know did everything. Do. You know, they were there. They were aware that there was struggle. They, you know, made it their priority to be there and to, to love on and still lost. That scares me. Has a lot to do with why we're doing this. Yeah, that is a lot to do with why we're doing this. Father, you're talking about, I remember the line from that interview, and you did it, that just was a gut punch, was when he said it was like trying to stop a runaway train by dragging his foot out of it. And just saying it, I mean, my eyes are filling with tears just thinking that that was an apt metaphor for him. And, oh. Yeah, there have been some really hard ones. And I got to be honest with you, you might not even know this. Um, another time it was like Bridget Say Yes. Um, I didn't want to do that interview because it was about suicide. And at the time, I thought it was going to be the episode about suicide. Like, you know, okay, now we've done that and we move back to depression. I had no idea that that Venn diagram, you know, how much those two circles overlap. And I didn't realize that the thoughts I had, you know, could certainly be qualified um, on the spectrum of suicidal thoughts we had. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a hard one. That was a really, really early episode. I mean, probably the one of the first dozen we did. Yeah. And, and that episode and so many others, um, you know, the eloquence mm-hmm. and the vulnerability and the, the word choices and the imagery and the nuance, because a lot of these people were speaking from not only their hearts, but from a pretty present experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like we, we didn't interview a lot of people that said 15 years ago when I was depressed, you know, I mm-hmm. kind of sort of remember mm-hmm. it being vaguely like this. We're pretty much in it with them. Right. In real time, almost. And I think that alone brings an authenticity and a realness and a vulnerability that um, just super shines a spotlight on the fact that people are not alone. Although I, I totally and absolutely understand that one can feel very much alone in their experience. <laughs> they are also simultaneously. And again, you know, how can such juxtaposition co-occur is fascinating to me. Um, you know, when you hear somebody say something that you haven't even maybe admitted out loud to yourself or anyone else, you can't deny that you're not alone because they feel exactly the same way that you do or did. Yeah. And I remember, like, had someone said, you're not alone to me, I would have been like, yeah, look around. You see anybody? You know, I live alone. I was in that bed. 
all curled up alone. Nobody was here to bring me water or whatever the hell else I might have needed or, you know, tell me I was going to be okay. Physically, I was alone. So I think that it's important to make that distinction that it is that we are not alone in that we're not the only people going through this. We may, in fact, be going through it alone. And so um, I think it's an important distinction to make because I wouldn't want someone to just go, am too, I am too alone, and dismiss the fact that they are not alone in this experience and, and that they are not the only person having all those all those symptoms. And for us, you know, the thoughts are just top of the pile in terms of what's worst. Yep. Well, it's an important distinction. And I would say for me personally, I wanted to be alone. The oh, last flipping yep. thing I wanted was a friend to stop by. Right. I just really, I mean, I know that sounds harsh and horrible maybe, but nope. I really, I, on, a, on a good day, I don't like that. But <laughs> on a bad day, uh-uh, do not stop by. I hear you. But the power of shared stories and the power of talking about one's um, lived experience yes, and the power and importance um, of being heard, to me, there's a real distinction between having the, having the experience and the power to dig within myself, or not, I don't want to say myself, of anybody. Um, you know, to, to say your story is one thing that's huge, and then to be heard is a, is a separate and distinct thing that's huge. Oh, man, that power of shared story that we have been steeped in for five years um, is also uh, one of those things that became uh, went from a phrase to a very tangible, real thing. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't know it either. And distancing and the and the requirement to distance oneself, you know, to kind of like peel off the thing just enough so that there's a little bit of space between so that you can look at it and, and process it a little bit and put words to it. You know, that distancing to be able to even look at it and talk about it is a, a, there's gotta be some fabulously yummy word for that little bit of separation. And I don't mean that it's in a tidy box and it's all, you know, processed. It's just peeled off enough to allow that space is like, a sacred space. And that's where we've stood hand in hand for five years. I can't think of a nicer hand. Thanks. Hmm. And one other image that just popped into my head was I interviewed a poet who was a wordsmith, of course. And she, um, she also did it because she was thinking, maybe I can help one person. And then when there were a thousand listens to her episode. She looked it up on Google image and saw a crowd of a thousand people so that she had a visual on it and she was blown away. And then later in the week, the number went up and she put that number into Google image and she saw, and you know, her sphere of influence. Isn't that gorgeous? I love that. And to think that our image is, you know, growing every week and three quarters of a million. I mean, that's a big crowd. I mean that's a big crowd. That's a big crowd. And it's and it's not a random crowd. It is a very curated crowd. It's you know, it's self-identified as really could use a little information about depression, really could use some hope, really could use some connections, some you know, whatever it is the people are the people I act like they're different than me that we're looking for. To reach out for and to find it, uh free and you know, from people who really, you know, we're not, we're not perfect, but we really try hard. Yeah, I think that that is a beautiful image, and I absolutely love that she googled the the number. 
Wowie zowie. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with my throat. I think I think I am literally getting choked up having this conversation with you. Um, I want to thank you, like from the absolute bottom of my heart, because we know um, the impact, and we don't even know it all. We just know some of it um, that these stories have had, and I wouldn't have done it without you. Well, I'm so glad that we did it, and I'm so glad that we did it together. And um, no, I certainly wouldn't have done it without you. And I think that um, you know, having had this purpose and uh, shared experience and growth opportunity with you has been something that you know I'll just always be grateful for and always appreciate. And you know, thanks. I just love you. I love you too. And I am so. Golly, uh, proud isn't a big enough word, you know? I am so proud of you for, in your pain, turning that inside out to help other people, clawing your way to funding and associations and trainings and certifications and boards that you're on and networking. And now you're going to be doing a presentation for NAMI National. I mean, you, you... are such an inspiration for what a difference one person can make if they work and 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 work. Don't do anything else. And the things you've learned and the the you know how you've grown and stretched and and pulled me through some of those puddles with you. Wow, you're just an inspiring big sister. That is for sure. Thanks, Bridgie Boo. Um, you're still going to be around. They will hear, the listeners, the listeners, will hear you again. There's just no doubt. Oh, yeah. I'll always, I'll always step in as needed. <laughs> so for someone who has trouble accepting compliments, that last part was really tough for me not to edit out. But I promised Bridget that she could tell her story how she wanted to tell it. And I had to honor that and honor the journey that we've been on together since 2017 when we launched Giving Voice to Depression. And if that included complimenting her big sister, who am I to say it shouldn't be there? Back to 2017, when we started this, every single person, and I mean to a person that we ran the idea by, said we shouldn't do a podcast on depression. Who's going to want to talk? No one. Who's going to want to listen? No one. But we just want to say Thank you to our every guest who has talked, and that now includes Bridget, and to you and everybody else who has listened, because we're actually nearing a million plays, which is far from no one. I'm going to take a few weeks off to make post-Bridget adjustments. The open to this podcast has to change because it says two sisters, our website has to change, and everything that references the sister team. I'll pull a couple of my favorite episodes for the rest of the month, and then I'll be back in July with our new co-host, psychologist Dr. Anita Sands. She has been a guest several times on this podcast, and she has been filling in over the past couple of episodes. Before I sign off, a quick reminder. If you would like to leave a message for Bridget and record that, you can do that at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com whether that is commenting on something she said today or something you've heard in the past, if it's thanking her for co-hosting this, if it's urging her to come back, whatever it is, there is that red record widget, and I will get every message recorded to her. Thank you for listening. Take good care of yourselves and each other.
We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.